This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Nile and Nine podcast. It is Nile and Andrea here. How are you doing? I'm good. Feeling good. spooky. Good. So on this week uh, on this week's episode, we are going to be talking to Jen Gannon, a uh, pop culture enthusiast and writer. Uh, Jen Gannon about um, a very particular time and uh, a very particular period of time uh, between the nineties and and the two thousands. And uh, we're going to be talking about based off the recent Spice Girls documentary that aired on Channel Four, how girl power changed Britain. We want to talk to Jen about uh, her piece for Rogue Collective uh, with RogueCollective.ie, uh, which came out last week, and her uh, the title is. Uh, to give you a, a hint about what you might be thinking of it it is girl powerless why the 90s and, and 2000s weren't as empowering as they seemed so we're going to have a chat with jen about uh the spice girls girl power ladette culture tfi friday all of the problematic uh, uh things that happened in that era and uh, mm. and uh, so it's it's it'll be an illuminating chat i know because we just did it because <laughs> we already did it um i'd just like to give listeners a content warning for weight loss and eating disorders um it's around the point when i think i think i say something like let's move on to the 2000s um so if you don't want to hear that section of it uh, maybe skip on about 10 minutes from there but if possible we'll put a little timestamp in the um in the show notes for you um and everything else is a content warning for men being shitheads in the 90s but that's not new um but yeah this was a this was a lovely chat i really i i really rate jen as a um like if there's anything happening in kind of like pop culture she her herself and louise bruton are kind of the people i look to where i'm like okay what's going on explain it to me yeah <laughs> very yeah. very very succinct and um well versed on the the world of um popular culture in the 90s and the 2000s which was yeah. an odd time so and, uh, yeah you yeah do follow her on twitter which we uh, say at jen pops uh, is uh, with two ends is what it is and you'll get a reminder at the yeah, end of this great. episode as well and obviously of course patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to support uh, the podcast and the website 909.com mm -hmm. um, do think about joining up there for exclusive access to uh, weekly playlists and discord and all that kind of stuff so mm. uh, lovely stuff and my there. um the very last episode of season one of my favorite album came out today as we record it, yesterday as you hear it. Um, and it is with King of Irish Rap, Denise Tyler. The one, the only. Denise and I spoke for two and a half hours, but the episode's one hour long because Virgil uh, edited it down, <laughs> wrangled it into something usable. But um, chaotic, wonderful chat with Denise. Um, about Did you get the full two album. and a half hours? Uh, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm considering like if, if anyone wants to campaign for like the Snyder cut of that episode, <laughs> do do it on Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's the last episode of season one. So we'll be taking a little break. Uh, we'll be back in the new year and I'll be fully devoting 
every day of my week now to the Nile Nine podcast because this is, if people didn't know, my full time job. <laughs> yeah, your 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 uh, your your commitment is never in question. No, I'm a full time <laughs> Nile Nine podcast host. That is my job. Yeah. Someone yeah. asked me that before. Um, I said I I mentioned having a podcast. Um, as all podcasters do in conversation. Um, and someone was like, oh, and is that like, is that like your full-time thing? And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. Well, it I could wish. be. Patreon.com forward slash 99. Patreon.com forward slash 99. Please make this <laughs> and, my full-time uh, job. Your ghost newsletter is, what is it? Um, Andrea, it's, it's, in, it's in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, every, every, every show note you can see. That uh, newsletter is that, coming so. back, by the way. <laughs> it, it will return dubbing it yeah uh, okay well we chat to uh, let's talk to Jen Gannon about the 90s and 2000s now very good okay well we're joined by Jen Gannon uh, who wrote a piece very uh, last week about uh, girl power in the 90s and uh, and the 2000s. Uh, title of your piece, it was for Rogue Collective, um, a great piece and a great uh, platform for writers, uh, mostly female writers, right? That uh, a really good uh, thing that uh, goes out every Sunday. Your piece was called Girl Powerless, Why the 90s and the t- 2000s weren't as empowering as they seemed. And uh, you were inspired by a, a documentary that aired on Channel 4 recently called Spice Girls, How girl power change britain so um so you obviously watched the documentary jen yeah i did and i was like delighted to see something as in-depth about that kind of era because i think it's um hasn't really been done in that way before you've had loads of documentaries about the spice girls themselves and about their success but just not really digging into where that came from what was around culturally at the time what kind of industry they were moving into and their influence or lack of influence perhaps on the industry. And at first it was just like this gorgeous nostalgia fest because you're like, oh my God, yeah, I remember like Chupa Chups and like giant runners, the Buffalo Runners and like hair, those little butterfly hair clips and, you know. Hair mascara. Hair mascara and like Top of the Pops on a Thursday and Live and Kicking on a Saturday and like MTV, you know, select MTV every tea time and stuff like Baby that. Baby and Dick. Yeah, like... <laughs> And, and like, it was really, you know, that was nice. But then when you, you look at that, it's like when you lift up a stone and there's all like earwigs underneath it, you kind of were getting into the underbelly of it when you're like, actually, hang on a second. And looking back on it through older eyes, you're kind of going, you know what? It was really icky and kind of seamy and the, the stuff that wasn't that great about it. And, and the, the, it, you know, the maybe what was holding them down and uh, the fact that like it was still they were in this very oppressive tabloid news world and um, that the 90s weren't as because we we're always thinking of today as going you know oh kids today I feel sorry for them they're growing up with Instagram and their heads are messed up and teen girls are so depressed because you know you have filters and you can do anything with your face and like if you're, you're you know if you even look at the new season of Drag Race um UK there's a uh, Crystal Versace is a new contestant on there and they're only like 18 or 19 and they've already had fillers put into their face and, and a lip, lip implants. And you're kind of like, I really feel sorry for kids like these days. They're growing up thinking they're, they haven't even grown into themselves and they think they're still so horrendous and want to change themselves completely. Like the kind of Kardashianization of the, the psyche. But we had that in the 90s and 2000s yeah. as well. And we just never really think about it. Because we didn't have she- Kim Kardashian in the 90s. Kim Kardashian was Paris Hilton's friend in the 2000s who kind of nobody cared about. But our our version, and I, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, may, maybe the jury is out. Um, we can't really look at this. We won't really be able to look at this era and its influence and impact on on children until... 20 years time in the same way that we're now kind of re-examining the 90s but we certainly had um a lot of pressure from the media um so something in your piece that that you were that you were discussing was the the rise of the the ladette um and i think the spice girls fit kind of fit fit into the ladette idea in a strange way because they were often seen as um 
this this feminist groove, right? They they invented girl power as it was, um, but also they were allowed to kind of have that success and have that message because they learned how to play along. Um, so yeah, so maybe just t- t- tell us a little bit about what Ladek culture was in the 90s um, so that we can all remember it so fondly. <laughs> just firstly with the Spice Girls, I think as well, it, it was kind of amazing that um, they were really good at having a good, re- at the beginning, a good relationship with the media. They would come in and as a group of girls together, they were very intimidating to a lot of male journalists, which I always found enjoyable, really funny. They would come in to press conferences and be like, oh, all right, what, you know, getting into people's faces and being very aggressive and in your face. And somebody described it before a male journalist at the time, like being attacked by a hand <laughs> continuously. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I like that girl gang vibe. And they seemed very, you know, a united front and that I like the way that they played the media at their own game there because they thought we're just going to be that as women are going to be quite shy or removed or intimidated by the press at large. And they weren't. They they acted in a way like kind of Sex Pistols-esque. They were very confrontational and they were very rowdy and almost like their early Beastie Boys. Like they, they didn't weren't afraid to like be at press conferences, like sitting with their legs on the table and, and taking it all as a joke. And I don't think... A lot of pop bands before that were very much molded into the Motown kind of charm school way of being of you have to be polite. You have to, especially women, it's like drilled into them. You have to have your P's and Q's and be nice and treat them well because they, they're the ones that are going to come back, you know, mm. against you. Yeah, like if, if, and, if you look at early, um, early interviews with Destiny's Child, it's crazy like to see how to see how even Beyonce somebody like Beyonce was interacting with the media then in this such a kind of passive way. For years, we didn't think Beyonce yeah, had a personality. Yeah. For yeah. years, yeah. we were yeah. like, where is it, girl? <laughs> it's like, kind of like that Miss America mm, kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, yeah. And especially say, for like women, like black women, especially like if you ever read anything about Whitney Houston, it's about how you don't want to ruffle the feathers of like the white male media market by like being anything but, you know, very cowed and very sweet because anything else, and you're going to get a name for yourself and you don't want that. And that's so the Spice Girls were a nice reaction to that, but then it kind of dovetailed into what FHM basically invented the term Ladette to describe, I don't know, basically a normal, what I would call a normal woman, like a like student young girl who may possibly drink pints and uh, was a bit leery, as they'd like to say in inverted commas, shock horror, imagine, mm. and just was up for a supposedly laugh. upfront and spoke their minds, but also up for, yeah, up for a laugh. You see, this was the key difference so they were kind of saying a lot of the lads mags came out at the same time so you had loaded gq did a relaunch and then fhm and all of that like nuts came later but um basically it was all maxim as well and sky sky was a little bit of like sky was more like you can buy it if you're a woman oh, as i don't well. remember sky you know Sky, uh, yeah, it was. I, I remember buying it years ago because that Evan Dando was on the cover, so they were appealing to me too. I think <laughs> but uh, no, but like, so the latter kind of was born out of like, um, you could say it was like for a long time, feminist, you were just seen as very dry if you were a feminist and unfun. And then the latter was trying to, it was like this remarketing of feminism, but also a dilution of feminism, also in the way of kind of saying, we're going back to a time of more to do with this tongue-in-cheek era where it was all a bit Mm. of sexism kind of repackaged as a joke. And that was very much the vibe of Britpop. Britpop was like all about, you know, cheeky chappies and pretending to be like the kinks, but also having this kind of carry-on style humor as well. and that infiltrated into the broader sense of the way women were perceived, I think, as well, because the women in bands in Britpop, in the Britpop era, are, were just hor- horrifically treated, horrifically treated. Um, I know that if you've seen, there's an interview with Mickey from Lush on the This Is Pop. Yes, I've seen that, it, yeah. Uh, Netflix documentary, and they have one of them about mm. Britpop. And she just talks about how basically they were treated like, if you want your single to go into the top 40, throw yourself into a bikini and get into FHM, yeah. get into Loaded. Yeah. And that's the only way. 
Whereas nobody was asking, you know, Alex James and Damon Auburn always complain about being seen as heartthrobs in smash hits mm. or whatever, but they weren't being asked to stand in the nip, like covered mm-hmm. in Vaseline. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. And, and, yeah. and them being heartthrobs so is always, always secondary to them being these kind of like revolutionaries of British culture. And yeah, I think that the, the, the ladette and how, how, she as a as a form kind of fits into Britpop is really interesting because um I reckon if I was a teenager in the 90 I was I was born in 1990 so I I kind of caught the tail end of this I'm much more formed by the kind of the 2000s media which which we'll probably get onto but um the the ladettes of the of the 90 like I I felt very seen and observed by something you pointed out um as a massive massive fan of Blur um that in the video for Country House, there, there's like page three models being chased around as if they're in a, car, a carry-on film. And I was like, yeah, that that did actually happen. And I think I need to actually address that that was a thing that happened. And because I, I think I've been picking and choosing the parts of Britpop that I love and keeping them with me, which is the music really, and kind of the, the smash hits kind of side of things. But there is a kind of insidious darker side to that culture as well that I don't think I've reckoned with until I read your piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went back and only recently actually it just because we thought about it and i was watching some some of the music clips from tfi friday because i was kind of going oh yeah i remember that and i was, realized a lot of them were on youtube and then obviously you end up watching some of the interviews and as you mentioned in your piece like the mm. leering and at the outright i mean it's harassment that was sanctioned on tv and you're like yeah, can we talk about chris i evans? don't remember any of this can we get into chris evans Chris Evans is so strange to me because like i mean he made kind of a career out of being unlikable i never thought he was charismatic at all even growing up i always always like he's very irritating and he never seemed very interested in the people he was talking to it always was reflected back to him because anytime See, the, the problem with the monoculture is any, this would be your other opportunity when I was growing up to get to see your faves. You had to watch TFI Friday because I was like, Kylie will be on it. The Mannix are going to be on it. You know, Suede might be on it. So you better tune in. Like, so, but it was always his, his extreme egotism extreme egotism and there's, would... there's a, a a sentence you wrote that i just love uh tfi friday was the televisional extension of the lads mag it was so self-indulgent it was almost like witnessing evan's revenge the cinderella story of the nerd that turned an incel fable due to his celebrity he could now make his wank fantasies a reality he could use and discard famous women as if they were blow-up dolls and invite all his mates down to ogle them too which Spot he on. did like he did because tfi friday was all set up to be like a private members bar for Chris Evans and all his media friends and him to go, oh, you know, nobody used to like me growing up. I used to be, you know, bullied or people, women rejected me. But now I'm the one with all the power and control. I'm a BBC top of the game in the BBC. I I also have my own tea time show that you have to go on to promote your song or it won't get in the charts. And I can treat you exactly how I please. And he did. And it's such uncomfortable viewing every female artist on the show is asked about their private life is asked about their sex life is asked about the way they look or spoken everything is about the way they look and that doesn't happen to any male artist on that show exactly like the difference is just stark and he will genuinely there's been times like watching tfr friday where natalie and brulee is on and i think it was natalie and brulee and somebody else and he directly asks them out on air and makes it so uncomfortable because as all his friends are standing there watching you, you're being filmed. This is beamed live into, you know, the whole country. And, you know, that's a really awkward thing, I think, for a lot of younger artists as well. Young bands like, say, well, All Saints, it was like one of their first TV appearances. And it's just really uncomfortable viewing right now because it, it, it's just it, you can see that the amount of control that he had and what he was led away with. And nobody ever said, hey, because if you said, hey, this isn't cool, you were like, you don't get it. You're not in on the joke. You're not fun. Yeah. You're being And you're not shrink. a cool lad. Oh, yeah. 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 And, no, and it no. shows how yeah, yeah, how yeah. Um, how fragile that that idea of a lad is, because in order to it, get to decide to be one, the boys decide if you are one. And by by virtue of being a lad, you're not allowed to say something is sexist. You have to 
give as good as you get. You know, all, all, all of these things that women are just expected to, you know, go on to a show to promote their single and verbally spar with this man who clearly has nothing but disdain for female pop artists, has absolutely no interest in anything to do with their music and literally weighed the Spice Girls. Like it, I, I, I just watched that clip before, before we came on here. Um, I, I knew I'd have to watch it since yesterday um, and I've been putting it off <laughs> and, and it was like 10 minutes before we came on the Zoom and I was like, okay, fine, watch the clip. And I watched it and I was just, those poor women, like. And it was par for the course for anything like that. This was normalized. That's the weirdest thing about it. Mm. It was just, you, you could comment on a woman's weight like that, like as in uh, there's a part in that Spice Girls documentary where there's images of Jerry and it's pulled across a double page spread in the sun. And they go through every inch of her body from her head to her toes saying she should do this. She should do that to make herself look better. Mm. Um, it's incredible. And then, you know, he weighed Jerry live on air. He weighed Victoria live on air. And yeah. he told All Saints to sit in order of who was heaviest and who was the lightest. Mm. It, it's incredible to me that we actually all were like, this is fun this is good time fun it was on a tea mm. time which i think is so weird like mm, it yeah. took the kind of bawdiness of the word but at least the word had female presenters on it and kind of just made it more directly sexist and mm. like he had stuff where it didn't even make any sense where it was like you know just have men that weren't visually appealing let's say have them reject a model would come on every week and and he would reject them or mm. it would always talk about people in terms of the way that they looked and it was he could control it because he was like yes I may have been called this and that for so long and nobody thought I was attractive but it doesn't matter anymore I'm going to judge you women now and there was always a thing about women being fat on the show or, or mm. saying things like how disgusting women were if they weren't to his ideal mm. which was just bonkers like that it went on for so long but then you know while TFI Friday was still on air that was when he was flirting with Billy Piper and bought her uh for her 18th birthday he bought her like a Porsche or Ferrari or something and that's how they ended up together which I always just think we watched that play out on on TV which yeah. is kind of a whole other story <laughs> yeah yeah I think I, I think there is this kind of romanticizing of and I think, you know, us journalists might might be guilty of it in a way as well. Romanticizing of a time when music was written about, um, when, there, when there were more, uh, more music programs on television. But when you actually look at what, what the landscape was at that time, it was an incredibly kind of volatile place to be a woman in. If you were a black woman, you probably weren't appearing. Um, in those spaces and if you were you know you were in the Spice Girls um, so that's the kind of level you had to be at and it was an industry that that was ruled by by white men so I, I, I wonder what you think about the kind of the shift in pop culture and pop culture media uh, from the 90s and 2000s kind of pre-internet to now it, is there do, do you think there's like a kind of a dem democratization of it and has that been a good thing or what is the what, what what is the shift for women I suppose like it is better because I think we're calling stuff out a lot more and we're not afraid to do that um which is great and there's more choice and I love more choice because more choice is only a good thing mm -hmm. uh but the thing I do miss is like that everybody would be on the same page and I know like that has its drawbacks as well as I just said but like you knew the minutiae of everything then. You knew, like, Liam had a freak out today and went to the off-license in his sandals and <laughs> the press followed him. You know what I mean? You were, like, yeah. right up on that. Whereas, like, everything is so disparate now. If, like, somebody, if Kanye does something, that's about the only thing that can unite everybody for a couple of hours. But, mm. like, somebody could be off doing something incredible and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even care that much. You don't know that much detail about them anymore because... There's just no time to get into it. Like it, there's there's too much. But I think for women, I don't know, because it's still in the mainstream media. You're still judged 100 percent by the way that you look. If you look at Adele and this whole narrative around her weight loss um, and it was being heralded as this triumphant thing. It's like, 
oh my God, she's transformed herself. Look how amazing she is. And that's, weight loss has always played like that. And Jessie from Little Mix as well. And she's come out today to say that like, you know, she did an interview today to say she was suicidal, like because Mm of the press constantly focusing on her being the quote unquote ugly one of Little Mix Mm -hmm. and focusing on her weight constantly. And it's never changed. Like, I don't think the, the tabloid media in that way has ever changed. Like, I mean, if you look back on like Lady Gaga, when it was all like, oh, is she a man? Like, mm-hmm. and then when she did that interview, it's like, what, so what if I am? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, which was amazing. But, yeah. you know, if you still don't play the game and follow that traditional look, like you're still, it, it's still the media that of your, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's ever changed, which is really sad because, you do have a lot of freedom now. There is, a, a, as I said, there's more. But that's the good thing. I, I think maybe you can tune it out more because you can go to somewhere else to get your news. Mm. But in saying that, that's kind of, it's it's not an actual, I'm not solution. delighted about it either. It's yeah. not a solution. It's just, but we still have that. You know, your auntie, your uncle, your granny, they're still going to get their news from, if they're getting their news from that source, it's still ugly. It's still an ugly world and it's still focused on the exact wrong thing. Mm. It's still focused on aging and women aging. And like, you don't need to talk about like how much they hate Madonna because she's still alive. Like, so, yeah. I, and I don't think that's going to change. Mm. I, I was really surprised to see the um, the narrative play out with Adele, with her weight loss the way that it did, just in terms of how blatantly old fashioned it felt like I really thought and these not just in tabloid media because I don't I don't I don't look at tabloids at all and I I don't get served that from my from my algorithms but I do get kind of broadsheets and uh, like Sunday newspapers from the UK and that that kind of thing and even in even in that sphere it was it wasn't quite Adele steps out with this incredible transformation and she used to be fat and now she's not and that means she better but it was this kind of undercurrent of good for her and now she's healthier and I think that that kind of fat phobia when it comes to pop stars has just kind of shifted into kind of the quote-unquote health sphere as opposed to being um the way it was when we were kids which was as you mentioned in, in in the article which was holding up the size zero Victoria Beckham um, uh, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, um, or Julian Keith, lunchboxes of yes. shit. <laughs> My God, I completely forgot about the, her existence. Yeah, until, until you mentioned it there. Um, but the good yeah, thing, I think, um, that I didn't say, but the good thing was, I remember talking to Sally Hughes, the beauty journalist, um, a couple of years ago, just saying that, like, when I grew up, like, I was kind of lucky in one way because I loved, um like the Mannix, but I loved Elastica. Like I loved Justine Frischman. I adored her. And she would literally rock up to like an enemy photo shoot with no makeup on. You could see her spots. You could see her dark circles under her eyes. And that was still kind of okay to do that because it was like rock and roll. You were allowed to do that. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. like, I mean, obviously she's still absolutely beautiful. Like that's (laughs) besides the point. But you, you did have heroes that weren't completely airbrushed or weren't completely changed like in that way or weren't didn't hold themselves up to be I'm the actual feminine ideal and Mm. I think I was happy to grow up I I have happy memories about that about Courtney Love you know Mm. just just being exactly how you want to be and uh, and present yourself how you want to be um and if you want to never wear a dress because you'd rarely ever see Justine in a dress she was always in jeans and Doc Martens and a t-shirt and that was amazing. It was so liberating when I look back on it because you didn't have, I didn't have that pressure. Like I didn't really feel that pressure at that time when I was like 12, 11, 12, 13. I was like, yeah, you can kind of just do what you like. And that's, that's cool. And at that, at that time, that was kind of the look as well. That kind of androgynous kind of look was in. Mm. So it was great. But um, like that was going on parallel to that. But it was also kind of another extension of the ladder as well. Mm. Um, but I do think a lot of the time, like there's two sides to that because Justine was kind of protected in one way, because she was with Damon at the time. So there wasn't as much talk around her, except for I always remember the horrible time at the Brit Awards where like Liam Gallagher was like, I, like I'd fuck your missus kind of thing was saying mm. about her. And it was like, 
always reducing the woman to that, you know, to know your place. You're just a bird. And it was always like, well, Justine was the most talented member of that couple. Like, and also it was just a cool thing back in the day that like Elastica's debut single was about like Damon not being able to get it up, like, which I always Mm -hmm. just think is just absolutely beautiful. (laughs) But so we did have like, there were good sides to it. I'm not saying it was all bad in Mm -hmm. back in the nineties because we did have, you know, the end of grunge, like the end, like, so you had Courtney Love, you had the Deal sisters, you had Christian Hirsch, you had PJ Harvey, thank God. So you did have, in the alternative world, you had a lot more women that weren't afraid to be themselves, which was mm. great to look up to. Yeah. But in the pop sphere now, we're talking like, because of the Spice Girls documentary, there was a lot of talk about the word uh, girl power in it. And, you know, I mean, can you talk a bit about what you think that uh, had meant at the time, what it means now and, and, and was it just, you know, was it something that they just said and, and didn't have any meaning behind it? Um, certainly it does show in the documentary that, you know, a lot of the fans took that on board. And that was obviously, at the time, we all remember that, like, people... I took girl power like, very seriously. Yeah, young girls in the street would just be like, girl power. And you'd like, yeah. you'd see that all the time. And it was like, but did it have a real meaning, do you think? Or was it just something, some marketing? I always thought, like, because, I mean... Mm, See, I have a <laughs> problem with girl power as well because I loved shampoo. Like shampoo were one of my faves and I used to always think that it's still my karaoke song is Trouble. But um, also Charlie XCX, Please Cover Trouble by Shampoo. Please. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> but uh, I, so shampoo had the song Girl Power. It came out like a full two years before the Spice Girls. And I always go, they stole that. I remember when you know, this like Spice Girls happened, like I was about 14, 13, 14. And I was like, they just stole that from shampoo and being really annoyed. Um, but I did, as the Spice Girls wore on, you did just see it as this kind of empty marketing thing. Because you were just like, they'll slap it on anything. They'll slap it on a Coke can. They'll slap it on a lollipop. They'll slap it on a pair of runners and kids will buy it. Um, girls would buy it but I do think like for maybe girls that were a little bit younger than me it, it was a huge deal because they if you weren't into it was probably the first time in mainstream pop music apart from Madonna like that a group a group I think that's the most important thing that it was a group of girls together because when you have a group of girls together a lot of the press would be focused on they hate each other they're killing each other behind the scenes nobody's happy Whereas these girls seemed like a united front. They were all delighted in each other's company. They all got on really well, apparently, at the start. And when you're girls in school and you have your group of mates, it feels like you're invincible. And I think they really tapped into something there with that phrase and with that, those ideals of being, if you stick together, girls, and don't let you know men tear you apart or boys tear you apart or boys grind you down or boys tell you what to do, good things can happen. And I think... As like that, as a, just a movement in itself for young girls, like in school, school age kids, I think that was really cool, like at the beginnings of it. But I did think as it wore on, when Jerry left, <laughs> moment silence, poor moment one out. Silence, that was please. the end for me. That was the end for me. Mm. Because Jerry, for me, like that whole time, Jerry Halliwell was the most interesting one. And like, that's been the saddest thing of my life that Jerry, well, not of my life, but saddest thing of... <laughs> My life in the Spice Girls is to see Jerry Halliwell just actually turn into a really beige Tory man. Yeah, that is a shame. Um, and Victoria is right. the funniest. Watching that documentary, like there's some great footage at the start uh, of them after they get together and them on, on a stairwell or something just uh, vibing and singing together. And you're like, you can see there's a magnetism there. And like you said, uh, they go and meet all these songwriters and all the songwriters, they're just like... Uh, putty in their hands like like mm. like the Spice Girls just like absolutely decimate them and, with their personalities and they're like yeah yeah okay it's like just these nerds in a room who are just like I've never encountered such power or mm. such like energy before so that's always also really interesting but yeah like you said it does I mean I guess the documentary is two parts and it does kind of like the second part does cover their their dissolve their demise in terms of uh, their split essentially like with Jerry Lee even which you know and it, it does also talk about what you were talking about there about you know 
know, like Mel C gets her hair cut and everyone's like, is she a lesbian? You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it's that level of of discourse is where we're at in the 90s. Uh, After her being queer coded for like the whole of the Spice Girls career, it's, it, it, it takes the haircut for people to be like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Second. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Short hair. But she's a woman. <laughs> I think as well with the Spice Girls being a group, it's different because elicited a lot of actual power when you think about it. Because when you look at women in music on their own, a lot of women could be taken advantage of because they're alone and nobody's on their side. And you see that with like Britney Spears or whatever, you can see it, you know, it's littered throughout history. But if you have a group of girls together and you all agree and you all say, we're not doing this or don't you talk to her like that or we're not doing this unless she's happy, you have this control and power that women in pop didn't have when you're on your own, you're on your own and you have to be mega confident. You have to be a Madonna to survive or have a great team behind you to help you out. And I think the Spice Girls changed that dynamic by going, we're going to do things all together and support each other. And that was a huge deal, I think, for music, women in pop. Yeah, I, th- I think the Spice Girls showed that there was safety in numbers when it came to. to and they exercised that with with uh, by firing their manager as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I love the way every man in that documentary said, that was a really bad idea, girls. Shouldn't have done it. No, really turned me off them. Like, and it was just so funny to me because I was like, mother of God. Like there's been so many men that have taken control of their career, um, you know, in music and get pats on the back and go, yeah, you know, striking out. Good for you. Good you know, for what him. They want. When the women are doing it all together, it's like, no, they got too egotistical. What were they yeah. thinking? It's like, oh, imagine having trying to have control and agency over your own career. How terrible. Mm. Mm. And how how uh, kind of current that still is when when you look at even what's going on with taylor swift now like re-recording her like she's she's exercising this i i think the same sort of i suppose capitalistic girl power as the as the spice girls were in the 1990s about kind of obtaining power through capital and through ownership um and through kind of public identity i suppose um but the spice girls like so i i was uh School, primary school aged when when Spice Girls kind of happened and I, I had a very kind of short spell with them I don't remember a whole lot about it because I was very small but I do remember thinking that they were the first um group of like loud women I'd ever seen being like celebrated and I was like oh that's cool because I grew up surrounded by loud women like I grew up with like my mom and then just this like small cohort of like lesbian couples that just like lived on my road and they were all my family so I grew up with a lot of loud women who had a lot to say about feminism and then when the Spice Girls came along and girl power came along all of those women were like do you like the Spice Girls do you like girl power do you like girl power and they're like trying to raise me into like this little feminist which is amazing but I think girl girl power as as an initial first introduction to a kind of feminism was brilliant like I thought it was great and then you get a bit older and you're like okay I don't like girl power being on a coke can but you know it was the 90s baby (laughs) yeah but like that sentiment like when you're hearing that for the first time that is so exciting when like you're little because I don't think like I think the market of men then innately understood after seeing the the runaway success of them Mm. how girls aren't marketed too in that way young girls it's Mm. not it was always about you can be the girlfriend or you can aspire to be, you know, the the friend or not. It was never like you focused or women as a group or young girls as a group focused. And then mm. they got wise to that after the Spice Girls. But like just before that, it was amazing to see that, you know, girls would always, you always have to be the pink Power Ranger. But then it's like, yeah. why couldn't I be all the Power Rangers? I could be any of them. Like, and that's what mm. the Spice Girls kind of did for young girls. It was like, yeah, there's loads of us like and. You know, if, if you're this kind of person, and I know it's like archetypes, like, you know, the redhead, loud one, the baby yeah. one. But it's like at that time, it was like, oh, there's I could be any of those girls. Yeah, like, you, you I'm can pick kinda, what one you like, want to be. I'm a bit like her, like or I'm a bit like, yeah, yeah that's so exciting for young yeah. girls. And I think of, uh, up until that point, um, part of the reason why I wasn't that interested in pop music when I was a kid was because they kept trying to market me men. And I wasn't ready yet to look at men. I was like, I'm a child. I don't know what it means when the Backstreet Boys have their like flowing, like 
shirts behind yeah. them and they're all like ripply and smooth chest i'm like i don't actually know what that means um so i i have a feeling that maybe i'll i'll understand when i'm older but that was all that was being marketed at young girls was like hmm, do you like boys yet and i was like no <laughs> so so the spice girls came i was like ah girls though girls i like girls i go to school with like i know i know girls they're they're great that's how they sold us jason donovan well i always think that's how they they, they snuck him in because of kylie you're like <laughs> do you like kylie you'll love this guy you'll and love I did. jason <laughs> and then I, I think i was about 10 years old like years after like the jason times and i i, I think i remember going to myself you never liked him <laughs> He <laughs> just did it for Kylie. And I was like, oh my God, I really did. Like, it was just because of Kylie. Kylie. I was like, I guess I like this Boy guy. I'll buy his album. So That's sad. Right. Sorry, Jason. Uh, <laughs> Niall, as a as a boy in the 90s or as a as a, a teenage boy yeah. in the 90s, um, yeah. what, what was your kind of memories of, of this time? Because, um, I mean, okay. no, one, no one's going to blame you for not, not thinking about the intricacies of intersectional feminism when you were 15. Sure. Uh, okay. What am I thinking of at this time? Um, I remember, uh, the Spice Girls, like young lads would not, would just hate. I hated them. I was yeah. like, no, hate them. Uh, and, and, and I was thinking back on this recently, it was because of, it was the, it was the dancing and the expression and, and then it was aped around you and you're just like, oh, this is gross. Stop doing this. Stop <laughs> dancing. Stop. Like people were exp- like young girls were expressing themselves and that's great. Yeah. But when you're, you're a young lad, you're just like, oh, gross. stop. Go away. And I remember you're I being cringe. Remember, yeah. I remember like uh you know the band Eternal. I remember uh, mm. those when I was in uh, primary school being a couple of lads were like, Oh god, I love Eternal, they're so sexy and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> wow, okay. Um and I was distinctly remember that because that was like one of the things. But I remember even before that, when in primary school, before like you were saying, before before we became aware of what what our desires were, like it was lads and uh, uh, boys and girls both going to see uh, E17 in the point mm. together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it was an innocence to it that was just, thinking back at it now, he's like, oh, that's so nice. They all went to see uh, E17. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think like, I think Spice Girls were absolutely everywhere then and that was for for a number of years it was just like that's all there was almost and then until the all saints came around and i think that's when when lads were like oh they're pretty cool aren't they and yeah. <laughs> so i mean yeah isn't it weird like the you're into yeah you're into blur oasis and maybe you might admit you're you like the uh all saints but you wouldn't be admitting to liking the spice girls you know mm. Mm. Yeah, because the spice girls had such young fans i think as well yeah because like, if you're because i was just like 13, 14 when the Spice Girls came around and then when like there's a four-year-old or five-year-old liking them, you're just like, absolutely not. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's not cool. That can't happen. You know, that mm. kind of way because you're like yeah. at that very formative age, you just, anything that's babyish or whatever. You're- yeah. Especially if you have like younger siblings and like if, if you have a younger sister or something who likes the thing, you have to not like it then or force them yeah. not to like yeah, it. <laughs> that's a, when you're young you do define yourself in opposition to yeah. what everyone else likes so you go off and listen to Spaceman by Babylon Zoo instead. <laughs> Which only the bit on the ad was good. The whole know, song was yeah. crap. You just wanted it was such a swindle. Yeah. If that was on streaming these days that would never went anywhere that song. Mm. How did so he not though. know? Like He sold, he did know. That's the thing. He sold it to Pony. He was like wait to hear the whole song you'll hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we just wanted the Levi's bit. So disappointing. And that's the thing as well you couldn't if we could have just downloaded it we would have yeah. known we had you to go to the known. bloody shop and spend 2.99 on it this to get it, home what... and go what <laughs> yeah i remember i think i actually bought it and i was like god it's so boring it's terrible. what's going on turgid like you're just like can i just loop up the 30 seconds and i had it on a cassette tape at the time i think <laughs> yeah um, um we haven't touched on the on the kind of the 2000s and um how things kind of got worse before they got better um maybe they didn't maybe I, I was just a teenager in the 2000s so I'm remembering it a lot more viscerally but of 2000s in the kind of pop media landscape I remember the Ashley Simpson show which should have won every Emmy every year that it was on air Ooh, it was the best Ryan thing on television Cabrera. Ryan Cabrera's <laughs> hair just should be in a museum <laughs> should be in a museum Ashley Simpson should be in a museum <laughs> I love her um yeah Jessica Simpson 
uh trl uh, what was her name oh she does um the circle now oh i love her um She's great that she was she does big brother emma yeah She's married Sorry, to emma. What's She's married to matty from Busted. yeah yeah yeah, and they're very happy together. Um, he was my favorite member of Busted. Um, and that I, so I, I think I remember a bit more of a, a, a kinder pop landscape when it came to music, but a very volatile pop landscape kind of everywhere else around music. Image in, wise, in it was yeah. volatile. I think yeah. if you weren't extremely thin, yeah. um, it was a bad time. Like, I don't know how girls survived that era of like somebody was always um need they had exhaustion or they were massively dehydrated or were blackouts don't hear of pop stars having to like cancel their tours because of exhaustion and dehydration anymore and it it. does point to the idea that they were neither exhausted nor dehydrated it's just they hadn't eaten in two weeks exactly misha barton like there is like this whole thing about like lore uh, about Misha Barton passing out at that Independence Day the 4th of July party that Nicole Richie had mm. she had to be taken away by ambulance I don't know there's a certain amount there's people that always rem- like remember that in their back of their minds and it's a, like a cultural event in a way because it's just signifies the fact that everyone was way too thin at that time everyone was like all those girls hanging around together all the Olsen twins Lindsay Lohan, Misha Barton, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, everybody was like deathly thin. And that was that time where every bags, they would have these big giant like Chanel bags and Dior bags that were bigger than their whole entire torso. And their I remember buying a music magazine, a, like a pop magazine, and it telling me like tips to look thinner. And in a music magazine, I have to stress that tips to look thinner. And one of them was to wear a huge bag because it'll make your body look smaller. And me as like a 13 or 14 year old girl, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, and like I used to wear like several hundred giant bangles to make your arms look thinner. Like we all looked stupid. Like I I, I will point that out. We all looked like idiots. None of us looked like Nicole Richie and thank God we didn't. But like, honestly, like it was, it was such a, it was, it was a genuinely weird thing to pick up a a magazine and get like, um, here's the celery uh, smoothie diet or like just eat juice. Or as, as you pointed out in in your piece, the um, the the Kellogg's. Why not just replace one of your meals a day with uh, this bowl of cereal? Everyone in my school was doing that. Everyone yeah. was at it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. we all were. And then there was like, you know, if you want to, the, the whole blows my mind. Like, if you want to look like have abs, just like Britney, and it's like Britney is seventeen. No one's gonna. When you're a grown adult, who's going to ha- look like that? Like her body hasn't developed properly yet. And yeah. that Brittany and Christina were just painfully thin. They're painfully thin young yeah. girls at that time. And um, that was the thing. And it really was just all about, like it might have been a nicer landscape as in more accepting, slightly more accepting to women or slightly more accepting to musically, like pop music. But image-wise, it was really scary it was mm. terrifying like how how women were treated then and you had to be the size and like there were photographs remember jessica simpson she was like basically wearing size 12 jeans and they were like she's happy with her weight question mark like as in she's oh my god this heffalump look at her like and like it was like that for so many so many girls like when misha barton put on weight that was this huge deal it was like she's disgusting now never hire her again um but a lot of female singers were treated like that. And if you put on any kind of weight in the, in the 2000s, it was focused on 100%. Like, look, at, just, you just have to look at Britney. Anything to do with Britney, they really just yeah. tore her asunder. Like. Well, you think there is a bit of a, I mean, maybe not when that documentary, the John Ford documentary, sort of your piece addresses it, the uh, kind of uh, redressing the past in, in the way that, you know, Britney's um, arc has been looked at in that documentary and how we realise now that how negative that was. And then, and then are we looking back on on those things now? And like we're saying, looking at TFI Friday, looking at what happened around the Spice Girls and specifically your piece as well and how it doesn't like it's you're not celebrating that 
era because it's like it isn't there's a lot of issues with it it's not pure like so are we do you think we're taking some of the good parts of that with us now and because i know if you've ever read uh simon reynolds book uh retromania uh, it talks about how pop culture basically recycles itself and obviously we can't go back to that level of there's been a lot of 90s nostalgia in the last few years anyway but we can't go back to that level of misogyny uh in in your everyday uh broadcasters you know what i mean you can't do that and that's good but obviously like what is happening what can we what are what is what do you see happening with what can we take from the 90s and 2000s now that it you know is is positive I mean, I, I'm glad that we're looking back on things and going, how did we do that? Like, say, with, like, the readdressing of, like, how we treated Mariah Carey when she was having mental health issues and how everybody just treated it like a joke. And the same with Britney. Um, but I just think, like, it happened too late. Like, there's stuff going on, like, right now with, like, Dr. Luke and stuff that we pop fans themselves don't like to think about it too much. We We want to hear... Um, you know, the Doja Cat single and not think about who may have had a hand in it or whoever, like uh, the latest pop gals. We don't want to go that deep. And it's like, well, good God, we're all patting ourselves on the back saying, hey, we're cool about Britney now. But in 10 years, is this going to blow up in our faces going, well, you've all listened to Dr. Luke produce stuff. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, so we're not atoning. We're not. I don't know if we're getting any better other than the fact that we're calling stuff out maybe a little bit quicker. But as with Hollywood, as we've seen with Me Too, if you go away for a while and come back, people will forgive you. You know, like Shia LaBeouf, the amount of stuff that that man has done that we just are, like if that Twigs interview, and like that still sticks in my mind all the time to come out and be so brave to do an interview like that. But then in three weeks, it's forgotten about because you're like, oh, he's going to be doing this next or he's in this film or maybe he's writing this thing. And People are so ready and open to give people their redemption, especially if they're a man, whereas women have to, they definitely struggle more. As you can see with Britney, like you're not forgiven or or any mental kind of breakdown that you have as a woman is, is really focused on. So I don't think, I don't know if we've gotten any better other than the fact that maybe we're pointing it out quicker, but then are we also forgiving people quicker or forgetting about it quicker at the same time? And I think, you know, or Kelly, look, Drake had or Kelly on his last album like i mean what that man I is in prison now he is he is in prison now Drake yeah it's pretty problematic I, as well well yeah i mean, I when, mean put the phone away from the stranger things child yes please yeah when when you when you think about the 90s and the 2000s and compare it to now it's a it's an extremely difficult comparison to have because obviously a little thing called the internet happened in the interim of those two things that completely exploded how we consume media. So if you take um, uh, an artist like, uh, I've forgotten his name and that's amazing, Ryan Adams. Oh, just such a lovely little moment there where I forgot his name, Um, who was kind of the first big, uh, of of the kind of the modern reckonings, I suppose, he was the first big one post Me Too in the film industry that happened as, as a crossover into the music industry. And when it happened, a lot of people, myself included, who have just made the decision, I'm not going to listen to him anymore. I'm not going to financially support him. I'm going to encourage other people to do the same. But the thing about the kind of democratization of space on the Internet is that those fans, they he hasn't been cut off from his market because there are still forums. He's still selling music via his website. He's still on streaming services. Um, And the people who want to support him can still support him. They don't need the support from the press. They don't need him to be on the cover of smash hits or whatever it is every week in order for him to get up enough money or get up enough traction to keep releasing music he can keep releasing music because there's a kind of a a fan to creator connection there where they can just support him financially directly and in many ways that's that's a great thing I like that as a as a concept but when it's used in this kind of problematic way it does kind of it it definitely like puts pause to the idea that anybody can be cancelled in the modern age absolutely but also like if 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 anybody did have to atone for what they did in the 1990s and there was a media blackout on them, that would be their career over. Whereas now, as we're seeing time and time again, no one's career is ending because of 
like varying degrees of accusations that are being leveled at them. So it's just such a different world. And I think that the landscape that we're in now, while it doesn't support abuse kind of on on the face of it, and while it, it, it is popular now to speak out against it, which is a good thing, uh, the the actual kind of how how we organize media and how we organize the relationship between fans and artists doesn't allow for that. Like it 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 means that people can still keep supporting creators. So it's so tricky, do you know? It is, and I think as a especially as a woman, I said this before. If you're a woman who likes music, like ninety percent of what you're listening to is problematic, and you're yeah. never going to get away from that. Um, unfortunately, like anything from the nineteen fifties onwards, like. Yeah, it's just that's the way of the world for women, I think. But uh, like, and you have to have this certain amount of cognitive dissonance when you're listening to artists. And I think that's that's just what happens. But I think for women now in the industry, the only thing you can say is that you would hope that because it's been democratized in a way that you can actually can have more control than you've ever had before, hopefully going forward, that that would be the hope that the difference between that you don't have to so much rely on the media mm. to be successful in a way. So you don't have to sell your wares on a show like TFI Friday yeah. to make yourself successful. Like mm. That's the only good thing I can think that would come out of all of this mess. <laughs> yeah, because I think if you put a show like TFI Friday on now, everyone would just think it was really embarrassing. I just like, think they'd think it was scary as well. Yeah, like looking yeah, back yeah. At it, when yeah. I was looking back at loads of clips of it, I was like, I feel scared watching that. I feel like it's just too much. And like, mm. I was lo- looking at all the, I did like a lecture on Kylie like two years ago. And um, I was looking at the Kylie, the videos of Kylie on, and what she just looks too vulnerable on it. It's when he's talking to her and I, there's loads of people cheering and stuff. And I just was like, that just is like my idea of hell to be there. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll never go back to that level again. But it is, I think it, I think anyone who's listening to this should actually go and watch some of that stuff on YouTube and remind yourself. Because at the time, you'll be surprised by how... Especially men who are listening to this. Yeah. I think women I mean, remember it. Well, I mean, I just mean the general, yeah. the general vibe of the show. And you're like, I went back and I was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I did it was like Pop World, but it wasn't a joke. Yeah. Like Pop World were at least in on it. Like... Do you think that's it? Because he would maintain that, well, all the women were in on it. They were all having a good time. No, you know, we're all winking here. It's all, we're all cool. And like, it wasn't just Sean Ryder swearing. You know what I mean? That was the fun times. We were like, oh, great. Sean Ryder's on having a swear. It's also like real get your tits out kind of show. Ironically, get your tits out. Oh yeah, do but like in a feminist way, like for 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 the lads, but the lads are your friends, so it, that makes it fine. Or like you're you're having you you know that this is just a joke too, right? Ah, yeah. uh, you know I'm only messing with you. Uh, you know you, you you know I wouldn't do that unless I knew you could take it. You know, yeah, just banter. Why are you taking this so seriously for? So, but there is still like you can see that still now inherently that in a lot of reality TV in Love Island in The Only Way Is Essex. There's still that there's an undercurrent of that with certain men that is still around. So I think like we, we've never gotten over the new lad. Um, he's here to stay, sadly. Yeah. Well, Jen, thanks so much for, for coming on and chatting to, to us about Thank uh, you so all much, of that Jen. girls power, ladettes, 90s culture, 2000s culture and Spice Girls. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, um, you should all follow people... Jen on Twitter um, because yeah. she just she comes out with some great takes just just good stuff good threads you know just a good a, a, a good time all around um and yeah, yeah do check out that piece on road collective because i was um very moved to feel anger by it so <laughs> yeah so it's uh what's your profile again your twitter profile sorry uh jen pops with two jen n's pops, yeah. that's jen pops uh with two n's uh, on twitter uh, for more from Jennifer and uh, thanks so much uh, Jen for, for taking time to yes.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.